to another episode of Sean Neds Do Baseball. I'm Sean. And I'm Eds. And we're bringing the baseball history. That's right. We're a bi-weekly baseball history podcast where the story catcher doesn't know what the story pitcher is going to be on the mound throwing them. And Edsy. Yeah? We got a spot starter today. I heard that we were making a call to the bullpen today. We are. We are. Uh, we're, we've got an opener, I guess, now. He, he's doing the whole thing. Uh, we have Justin McKinney with us, uh, a fantastic author, uh, Sabre member. Uh, either way, we're going to get to that, but Edzie, yes. where can the people find us on the social media? Uh, we can find us on Twitter, at Doing Baseball, and on Instagram, at Doing Dot Baseball. Yeah. And also on TikTok, at Doing Baseball. And I'm at Sean Do Baseball. And I'm at Ed's Do Baseball on Twitter. That's right. Uh, and wherever you're listening, however you're listening, please, please give us a follow, give us a listen. A review, even better. Yes, give us a rating, a review, whatever you can. We appreciate it very much. Give us some interaction. And, of course, once again, thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks as well to our sponsor, uh, Two Loons Brewing. Two Loons, uh, fantastic beer here in Toronto. Uh, pick it up at your local LCBO. Uh, they also have some fun stuff you can check out at local beer bars. They got lots and lots of stuff on the go. Hopefully, we'll be seeing... Uh, a nice brick and mortar location soon too but you can check them out at twoloonsbrewing.com and as always of course be of legal drinking age and please enjoy responsibly all right all right are you ready are, uh, uh, more importantly yeah justin are you ready welcome hey good to be here yeah i'm as ready as i'll be so well, uh, we're super, super excited uh, to have Justin McKinney with us. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, Justin McKinney. Yeah, pretty straightforward. There we go. <laughs> um, so the reason we have Justin McKinney with us today is because Justin McKinney has written an amazing book and will be talking about it with us. So, Edzy, we're both, I guess, playing catcher today. Yeah, this is uh, this is something special we're doing for our 90th episode. So it's our 90th? It's our 90th, oh. if, if you're for those counting. There, there I mean, we... yeah, I, I, I think that's like the, uh, I don't know, toilet paper kind of works here? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've heard. That's yes. what I've heard. Um, so Justin is going to be uh, surmising a little bit of his amazing book, Baseball's Union Association, The Short, Strange Life of a 19th Century Major League. Uh, you can find that... Uh, right now on amazon justin tell the people where they can find you uh you you have an amazing blog i mean you do an amazing amazing amount of work and you're an orioles fan but we can forgive you <laughs> yeah well i mean we've we've uh, like how can you hate the orioles at this point just given all we've gone through we've we've gone through the desert now we're finally good so like so you say I mean, the, the birds can stick together, like the Jays and 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 Orioles, but like fuck the Cardinals, like they can't do with the Cardinals. But yeah, you know, birds, bird teams can stick together. Birds fly um, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Mighty Ducks too, you know. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so I'm pretty active on Twitter at just underscore McKinney. Um, I have a blog on Medium called at Baseball Obscura um, that. I should update more, but I do not. And then I, otherwise I'm great to say bios and do a lot of baseball research on like the most obscure players of like the 19th century, trying to find photos and like death dates and things like that. So pretty active with 
saber research in general. Um, so I'm a avowed devotee of, of the Society of American Baseball Research. So. Amazing. Amazing. Honestly, uh, what a better person. There's no better person to be telling us this. It's people like you that, that allow us to do this podcast. So we're going to sit back and uh, let you tell us a, a little bit, just a little bit, because everyone should be going out and, and buying the book um, after this. But we're going to hear a little bit uh, about uh, some of the contents in Justin's book on the uh, Union Association. Is it the Union Association? Am I getting that right? Union Association. Yeah, right. yeah. That's that's the name of the league. Yeah, yeah. So let's go. All right. right. Well, go ahead, Justin. All if right. You're ready. So, yeah. So. To start the Union Association, it was formed on September 12th, 1883 at the Monon House in Pittsburgh. It's a big hotel. Um, it was formed by a guy called Al Pratt. And Al Pratt, he had founded the Pittsburgh Alleghenies, which is now the Pittsburgh Pirates. So they've been in existence since 1880. This is the dude who founded them. He, um, he was their first manager, um, and he got fired midway through 1883. One of the reasons for his firing was he had... Um, been caught with a woman of ill repute, let's say, at a hotel. And <laughs> the uh, hotel? At, at not that hotel, but a hotel while we were on the road. And he actually like listed that the name of the woman was like his star player. He had a guy called Ed Swartwood. He listed that it was his sister. And so he used her name. <laughs> no, so, it was it was Ed's sister. Yeah, I was just showing yeah, her around. And, and so you know, this there's a bunch of controversy. Ed Swartwood was pissed off and he uh you know, there's always like things you can find in the local papers where like there's like his father's writing in to like avow for like the the uh, chastity of 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 the woman and the, all this sort of stuff. And so this is a weird thing for like a baseball manager to do. So <laughs> anyway, sorry. he get, he gets his name again? Al Pratt. Al Pratt. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he yeah. gets fired halfway through this season. For... Halfway through the season, he's like becomes an umpire in some local league, and then like <laughs> a month later, he's like, "I'm gonna start a baseball league," and this is what happens. So okay. the plans are that this is gonna be this like eight team league. We're gonna put teams in like all the major league cities, and they're gonna do a thing called like um, this. At this point, there's what's called the reserve rule in play. So basically, every team. Um, in the National League, the American Association, as well as like this another minor league called the Northwestern League, yep. they can reserve up to ten players a year, um, and that basically means that like you just own them. Like they can't mm -hmm. leave uh, mm -hmm. if if if, you've, if they're reserved. Um, basically, like yeah, even if they don't sign a contract with you, you just have the rights. And so yeah. the Union Association is going to go after. It just continues players. to roll over year after year. Yeah, so exactly. And at, at this time, it was it was only ten. That's interesting because I, I yeah, understand yeah. eventually it just kind of eventually encompassed yeah, almost like, everybody at this on point, the team. Like, rosters are like ten people. Like most teams oh, bring true, ten people true. around. So like you have like nine players and like a pitcher, and like that's all you got. That's true. Yeah, so it's like smaller <laughs> rosters also. So, so which one of us has not hired a prostitute, gotten caught, blamed it on our friend, just been <laughs> like friend. it was his sister, <laughs> and then just created a whole new association out of that just missing <laughs> misadventure that we've had. <laughs> yeah. So Al just Al just goes, hey, "Fuck it, I'm creating my own. I'm creating my own thing where we can all bang our teammates' sisters." Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I I don't know that like banging women was part of the contract, but this is like yo. <laughs> this is what's going on, and the reason okay. this is going on is because, like, in 1883, like baseball is hot. Like baseball is the hottest it's ever been because right. um, a couple years before the American Association had formed, um, 
what they did, like, the National League formed in 1876, but they spent most of their first, like, few years kind of, like, struggling to stay alive because, like, baseball was expensive, uh, travel was expensive, mm -hmm. uh, players were expensive, no one knew how to make money in baseball yet, um, the economy was, like, in a depression. And so, like, after 1876, they, like, booted the teams from New York City and Philadelphia, and they ended up replacing them with, like, Worcester, Massachusetts, and Troy, New York, and, like... They're way more concerned with just doing things on the cheap and just trying to stay afloat. Yeah. Um, and this few years, tons of different teams. And then in like uh, 1882, the American Association forums, they're kind of like, they put teams in all the cities that don't have like big league clubs. And then they do a thing where they charge 25 cents a ticket with nationally like 50 cents a ticket. Um, they also play games on Sundays, which is like totally forbidden by the National it's League. God's day. And then mm -hmm. they do the, the most, like revolutionary thing they're like what if we sold alcohol at the games there you go yeah. screw the blue laws yeah exactly screw the blue laws let's get that blue all day long you know like that's that was the motto of the american association and they kind of have this really killer year because like they put teams in st louis and cincinnati and all these places um pittsburgh uh they those three teams still exist today and they are results the american association and like they all the teams make a profit. They make it to the end of the season. It's like baseball is like baseball is hot again, you know, like because right. it's been kind of cold for a while. They've and figured so, it out. They figured it out to a certain extent, yeah. And the the trick is like just get people drunk. Like that's really, <laughs> that's how you make money in baseball. And, and they're you know? still doing it to this day. Still, it, it, still doing it. Yeah, you know, like whatever we thought of it, it's just you know, the alcohol, the cause of problems, cause of and. <laughs> To all, all of our yeah. problems. The Simpsons yeah. has so, to be mentioned. <laughs> yeah, and so um, what happens, they do great. Uh, they put team in Philadelphia. They put the team in New York as well, which is like, National whoa, we should have done that. But, yeah, they didn't. And so, 1883 is like this interesting year because like basically, um, it's like the biggest year to date. Uh, the Like, baseball makes money for the first time. Like, on a substantial level, the Philadelphia Athletics they won the pennant and they set like a attendance record with I think it's like three hundred seventy-five thousand fans across like forty-five home games, which is like for the time is exceptional. It's like eight thousand fans a game or whatever, and it's like well, everything's just, word of mouth or like word of yeah, horse. yeah, yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> hey, it's like you know, baseball's hot. So that's the reason why like Al Pratt is like, I need to get back into this thing. It's like you know, there's money to money. be made. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, essentially that happens. But the reserve rules in place, they're going to make an 18 league, but they're going to be like, we'll go after the reserve players because that's the only way we can get players. Um, but the issue is that, like, Al Pratt doesn't have any money. Like, so. <laughs> like, okay. I could pay you a lot, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, like, for the first, like, couple months, like, the league is kind of like nothing because it's just, like, you can put a notice in the paper and say, I'm going to start a baseball league, but, like, yeah, doesn't yeah. mean you're actually going to play in 1884. Who knows, right? Yeah. So this kind of all changes when a guy called Henry Lucas shows up. Um, he is, at this point, he's a 26-year-old. Um, he's a millionaire. Like, a millionaire oh. in, like, 1883 money. Because um, his father was, like, a wealthy world magnet. He died. He got $2 million in, eighteen, like, actual money in 1883. Wow. And he loved two things. He loved baseball, and he loved spending money. Uh, what a great combination yeah. for exactly, for yeah. Al Pratt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, rubbing his hands together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so, what ends up happening actually is like Lucas kind of like takes over. Like 
Pat kind of ends up dropping out because he's got no money. Pittsburgh never gets a team in the league and all that sort of stuff. Um, so Lucas becomes the guy. He becomes okay. kind of, if you read anything about the league today, it's usually like Henry Lucas is like the guy who came up with it, all that sort of stuff. Like, you know, but he, he's the one who made it a reality, basically, because he's like a, you know, a millionaire in that time. Yeah. And he was really fixated on putting a team in St. Louis. And he was really fixated. Initially, he wanted to get to the National League, but they wouldn't put a team in the National League because the American Association had the St. Louis Browns stockings, which are now the Cardinals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there wasn't a way to get into the National League at that point in time. So he's like, maybe I'll just join this new league, put a team there, and we'll like, that's my way into like baseball. That's my way into like St. Louis. And the reason Lucas was so fixated on like getting a team in St. Louis and kind of beating out the Brown stockings was because his older brother, John, had been like the first person to try and make baseball work in St. Louis. So he'd been behind this team's nationally the first nationally team in st louis in 1876 oh, wow. um but that that team kind of lasted a year and a half they got they couldn't make money and then there was a big gambling scandal and like so they got booted from the national league after 1877 so and this, so like lucas failed so this is like a matter of family legacy kind of yeah and like it's also like that like the dude who makes baseball work in st louis is chris bondre Yes. Um, recent subject of develop. Yep. Uh, Absolutely. Good listen. He he's this like Prussian immigrant. He's like not Native American. Like like native to America. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he's uh, an immigrant from uh, from from Germany or what? What, yeah, what is yeah, now exactly. Germany? And <laughs> and he's in the beer industry and he figures out how to make baseball work, which is again just drinking, like, drinking. Like all it is, like just sell booze at the games. Uh, and so all of a sudden the St. Louis Browns talking is like become profitable he turns like he puts the park he puts like an amusement park in there he puts a beer gardens he tries to make like a multi uh multi-faceted entertainment complex like in 1881 or 1882 and so he makes baseball work and like for the lucas family who are like these upper crust people well to do in st louis like one of the wealthiest families in the country it's like disgusting Disgusting. It's disgusting. It's despicable. Right? I can't believe he's, he's 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 hanging out with commoners. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know he's not like us, right? And so that's like Lucas's kind of like real focus is like I need to make baseball work in St. Louis to avenge my brother and to <laughs> screw this screw this guy. You know, I love that this has started with just like, like, yeah. spite, like a rich kid being like I hate Chris Fonda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, and that's like, spite will take you a long way, right? Yeah, that's, <laughs> we, we, as we found out on this. We have gone a lot of places in these first 15 minutes or so. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We've already left Al in the dust. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Al's like, hi, just like a footnote, right? <laughs> <laughs> so so what, what Lucas does is he has money. Mm-hmm. And his way of trying to get players is to like show them the money, like like Cuba Gooding Jr. You know, like show me the money. Uh, and so yeah, he's like trying to sign like Roger Connors, who's like the home run champion for the New York Giants, and Buck Ewing, who's like the best catcher in baseball. Um, they don't sign, but um, essentially, like the reason it's like such an issue is that if you jump to this new league, like you might get banned from baseball forever. So right? so basically, he's saying. You know, as we see a lot during this time frame, whenever a new league pop up, players are like, "Oh, well, the reserve clause doesn't matter because it's not." Yeah, exactly. This yeah, league, it's like, 
you know? Doesn't have to go to Israel. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So so they're basically just trying to poach, you know, American Association and and, and National League talent by exactly, yeah, by yeah. saying, Oh no, you like you, you you your contracts don't include this league that just got invented. Yeah, yeah. And and initially they're just going after guys who hadn't signed contracts yet because oh, okay. like they wanna kinda like tiptoe around it. But if you go so if they like go after you. And so Lucas does this. He doesn't get like Roger Connors or Buck Ewing, but he ends up signing a guy called Fred Dunlap, who at this point is this 24-year-old second baseman for Cleveland in the National League. Um, he had grown up illiterate in Philadelphia, so he's like hard scrabble kind of lifestyle. He was thought by many to be kind of the toughest player in baseball. Like he was like 5'8 and like 160, mm-hmm. but he was nicknamed Showshot because his going on was really good but he also had a really accurate like red cross and so like there's all these stories of just like, beating the shit out of people and then like no one wants to fight him ever again and so it's good old one punch like, yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah one punch man you know and uh west philadelphia and so, born and raised yeah. i can exactly, punch my yeah, way yeah. out of my people's out, out, out dickhead days you know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah. continue sorry yeah and so he's like the best second baseman in baseball like imagine you know uh Who's a good second baseman? Is? I don't even know. But um, basically, he hit 326 in 1883. He played gold glove defense. Like, he's like one of the top young players. He's 24 years old. So it's like he's like the perfect guy. Um, and so Lucas shows him a big, like, bag full of cash, like kind of a cartoon or something. I picture there's a, like the money symbol on the bag, you know. Um, <laughs> and he signs Dunlap on the spot. He travels, um, I think he gets him to. He goes travels to meet him and like gets him to sign. And so he signs for a contract for it's estimated between thirty five hundred to five thousand a year, depending on what sources you find, um, which would have made him like one of the highest paid players in baseball. So at this point, like the highest paid player is probably around three thousand, thirty five hundred. So to offer that to a twenty four year old who he also he had gotten in a bunch of fights with teammates like the previous <laughs> year. Like that team, um, they were in the pennant race and then they had like Aside from him and like they had a shortstop called Jack Glasscock, Pebbly Jack Glasscock, uh, they had like no other hitters, and so they kind of fell out of the race. But there was a big scrap between them like late in the season, and I so love, he kind of just like I love middle infielders just going at <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're double play combo and roll yeah, uh, ground ball to shortstop, and it looks like he's taking it himself, and the second baseman has absolutely clotheslined him. <laughs> it looked yeah, yeah, like that exactly. was a sure double play, They're Jim. rolling around yeah. in the dirt at second. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, not not uh, not uncommon back in those days. Yeah, yeah, like tough tough guys who just kind of like, you know, get in a lot of fights, do a lot of drinking, all that sort of stuff. So, <laughs> um, so like, Dunlap is like the big get, and he ends up being like the best player in the league um, for St. Louis. But they also signed a few other guys. And like, what ends up happening is like, because, like, the really good players generally don't take the money because they want to, like, keep their status, he's supposed to sign these kind of oddball guys, guys who, like, are talented, but they've got issues, let's just say. <laughs> uh, so, like, the first guy signs this guy called George O. Orator Schaefer, I guess you'd say. Um, oh, and I he's know like him. This, yeah, he's, like, a hurting outfielder. He's a pretty good player. He led the league in OPS Plus in 1878. Is this, uh, is this Germany for, Schaefer? No, no, this is a different dude. This is oh, George okay. o- Schaefer. He's famous. What he does in the outfield, he just talks to himself all game long, like really loudly. <laughs> and so that's why he's the orator? Yeah, yeah. And so, oh, basically okay. he's, so he's just like psyching himself up or he's just talking shit about himself. He's like, you can really fucking do up. this. Really you can do up. this. You're going to you know, catch like, this one. Oh, yeah, you're going to catch yeah, this one. It's coming exactly, straight yeah, to you. coming straight to you. <laughs> he said you can find like – like quotes like this in the paper, like where they're just transcribing what he's saying in the outfield, and it's just like 
utter nonsense, but he's he's famous for doing this. And he's sort of so, this odd, <laughs> odd guy. So just wandering the outfield, having a conversation with himself, and yeah. then but, yeah. and but like playing great, that, like, hitting well. <laughs> Yeah, and like loud enough that people can hear it and they like, can't describe it. And you're just like, okay. Well, it's not like there's an organ going back at this time, right? There's yeah, no yeah, PA yeah. system. It's just, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, just yeah. some dude in a field. Everyone's like, I, d- does he know we're all watching? Is he playing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's it, right? And so he just, he's, he's almost called, exclusively called Odo Schaefer, like just in all the, all the, all like the accounts you read and everything like that. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, like, another guy they get is a guy called Lewis. Buttercup Dick- Dickerson. I don't know why he's called Buttercup. Uh, you look at the photo, he doesn't look like a Buttercup to me. But um, he was like a hoed hitting and hoed drinking outfielder. He'd been banned by the National League because his alcoholism was, alcoholism was so bad. You know, like that's the kind of guys would get me. But he was like, a t- he could hit. Like, it's just he like could hit the bottle too. And so it's like, yeah. <laughs> Joy, wait, wait, what's his name? Buttercup Dickerson. Buttercup. 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 It's like he. <laughs> I don't know. Just be walking up to the plate. You're not even holding a bat, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a bottle of whiskey. That's all right. <laughs> um, but my favorite of these kind of like freak show guys that he signs is a guy called Bollocky Billy Taylor. So Bollocky's like, because I guess he's just kind of grouchy sometimes. <laughs> so he was just like, they gone from Pittsburgh, um, Al Pratt's family club, but Al Pratt's, again, I don't know the story now. Um, but he was like this great baseball player. He could play any position on the field, um, and he was a good hitter, a good pitcher. Um, but it was like a couple weeks in Billy Taylor's world. In October 1883, right as all this stuff is happening, where he's about to sign, he gets charged with theft by a Pittsburgh jeweler who claims that uh, he had stolen a $750 diamond pin. Um, Taylor said, "No, you actually just gave it to me." And then the jeweler was like, "No, I didn't." Um, <laughs> And so he gets put in jail. And so he's like, the no, defense I, didn't I, work. I, no, I brought yeah, this yeah, from yeah. home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then the, the team owner like has to bail him out. And he's like the president of the American Association too, like Danny McKnight. He bails him out for fifteen hundred dollars. Um, but then, yeah, he gets out of jail. He refuses to give back the pin. Um, so <laughs> wait, like, wait oh, how does okay. he still have the pin? I don't know. <laughs> how does he... thing. <laughs> okay, are you going to give it back now? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like... And, you know, and so then you're just like, okay, like, okay, that's that's just a thing that happened. So, like, a couple days later, he's acting as an umpire in a baseball game between two female teams, uh, the Blondes and the Brunettes, what? who are two in the country. <laughs> no. Okay. This is going to be a charming yeah, team. accounts of this game between the Blondes and Brunettes. Um, the Blondes win 23 to 5. Um, well, I don't know what that means. I mean, but, Blondes are more uh, athletic. About, yeah, yeah. Blondes. Yeah, Blondes are more <laughs> athletic. Yeah, Blondes well, have more fun. Blondes then, are, you know. Yeah, no. Whatever. No. I'm just saying um, that for points with my wife. So, Taylor became smitten with one of the women on the Blonde team. Uh, it was a 16-year-old girl named Rosa Garrity. Oh, no. And two days later, they got married. <laughs> Two days later. Yeah, 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 yeah. A very long engagement, indeed. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then then he, like, gross. jumps. Like, he signs with St. Louis, like, almost right after this. I, so like, I'm mm-hmm. assuming this man is not, like, 18. Uh, no, he would have been, like, 30 at the time. Oh. So, yeah, he's, yeah, like, yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, a little, little bit questionable. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, gets married, you know. Gets out of jail, gets married, and then he jumps to the Union Association for a contract of $2,000 a year. So we've talked a lot about, like, St. Louis, but, you know, like, one team in an 18 league, right? Like, what are the other teams, right? So that's 
talk so about that a bit. There's eight teams in this league. That the yeah, East... that's 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 the plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All so right. right now we we just talked about St. Louis. You know, they they signed a bunch of star players. Yeah. Um, but there's like you know seven more teams we've got to talk about. So um, for example, we'll go through Baltimore and Chicago because they're owned by one guy. This guy called Albert H. Henderson, who was like a mattress manufacturer from Canada, but who was in Baltimore. Okay. I don't know where he got the money, but apparently mattresses were like you know. Mattress big business money. in HAP because people need to sleep people have always needed to mm-hmm. sleep you know that's right i feel like it was probably kind of a new thing or at least maybe like a spring mattress was like a new thing well yeah at the just time. like oh you're not just like shoving some hay into a blanket <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, like, yeah someone someone's like what if we didn't sleep on the ground you know like, <laughs> maybe maybe albert h henderson the guy he's like yo yeah, it takes like 600 ducks to fill this mattress. Maybe <laughs> we don't use feathers. <laughs> yeah, so he's got to build like a roster with two teams. So um, he ends up signing a bunch of players in the Northwestern League because um, they're cheaper. So mm-hmm. he can sign a bunch of players. He ends up signing a bunch of guys for about 1200 bucks a year, which is like pretty modest salary for the time considered the major leagues. Um, so yeah, he keeps his costs down. The one big person he signs, it's a guy called Hugh One Arm Daly, uh, and he's called One Arm Daly because he had lost his left hand like in a childhood accident. I think it like some either like a firecracker exploded or like shot it off with a shotgun. There's different stories about how. <laughs> oh, man. But Sounds... he's this grouchy, he's this grouchy 35 year old from from uh, from Baltimore, and he had played for Cleveland with Dunlap in 1883, and again, kind of just like. Was this bitter, grouchy guy who's like, like, "Listen, I know this grumpy guy with one hand. He'd be great <laughs> yeah, yeah, for this exactly, league. Yeah. He has a nickname too." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And he threw like really hard. Like he, um, you look at his numbers. He's just, like he's like striking out a ton of guys. And so he ends up being really good in the Union Association. I think he strikes out like four hundred ninety-three batters in five hundred innings. Like and he pitched a no-hitter and like he uh, struck out nineteen guys in the game. Like he was just like like hard throwing angry dude yeah, the um, so yeah that's his big signing yeah. so he signs him for like three thousand bucks yo that's like the one big guy he gets um so that's chicago baltimore he ends up playing for chicago most of the time uh, <laughs> most then, of the time i like he can change. well <laughs> because what 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 happens is like they pull these players together yeah. and like where do you want to go or like yeah <laughs> exactly well i know there, there was like a little it wasn't necessarily common but yeah they'd, they'd move money around and move players yeah, around yeah. based on how the team was doing yeah, yeah. at this point, like the New York Metropolitans, who are in the American Association, and the New York Giants and the National League are all by the same dude. Yeah. And eventually he like just moves all the good players to the Giants, and that's why the Giants mm-hmm. became the team. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so in so we talked about them. Cincinnati, they just signed like one guy, and then like a bunch of just nobody's from the Midwest. They signed a guy called George Bradley, who's another like grouchy old pitcher. Um, <laughs> and he had helped Philadelphia win the pennant in 1883, but he was kind of like kind of washed up at this point but one last paycheck why not he was a name he uh, was a name he was a name yeah yeah he had this like crazy year in 1876 where he won like 45 games and had 16 shutouts wow. uh and like he was like the best pitcher for like one year and uh then by 1884 he's just kind of like hanging on um and then the philadelphia keystones they signed a bunch of like ancient guys who had been like good in the national association which is like 1871 mm-hmm. so like and then um they also signed some like young players from sandlots uh Washington Nationals, they had been a semi-pro club in 1883, and like, why don't we try playing in a professional league this year? 
what what could go wrong? Okay, I'm sure that'll be fine. You know, I'm sure Washington like, baseball has always had a history of being fantastic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're known for quality. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and so this is this takes us to like February 24th. So they've got six teams. They need eight. The season's supposed to start April 17th. So you got like two months to like fine tune my place. So, <laughs> oh, okay. the, the, so they don't even so have it's, a full it, league yet. They just have yeah, six, yeah, exactly. six it's, it's, teams. They're like, we'll figure yeah. it out. So um, if you were thinking of like good places for a baseball team, um, would you think a city with 19,000 people would be a good place to put a major league baseball team? Well, well, not today, but the way you're leading that question, I'm going <laughs> to pretend I know something and say, yes, sir. Yeah, <laughs> sure, why not? Yep, and, and that's what happened. So they they put a team in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Um, they had been like a minor league club in the Western New State League, which is, you know, very prestigious, uh, 1883. <laughs> and so they get them to join. I like the um, audacity of that. Just like, all right, there's like 18,000 people. We'll have a capacity of 15,000. And then the other 3,000 <laughs> yeah. people will be working. For, exactly. For this, is, this is sort of the logic. They're like, I think the, the pitch was like, we'll get the people from the towns nearby to come as well. And it'll be like, it'll be fine. It's yeah. kind of like what's going on with like the Oakland A's and going to Las Vegas and they're like 30,000 mm-hmm. seat stadium. And like, it'll all be these tourists coming to see the Oakland A's play in Las Vegas. It's like, that's... Not a thing. Uh, yeah. It's, it's um, a strange, strange thing that, that is, <laughs> as we can see, has a long history in baseball. Yes. Yeah. So Altoona is the seventh team. Um, they will only have one player who has major league experience on the roster. Um, I wasn't going to talk about him, but he's like my favorite guy. It's this guy called Jack Leary. He was this guy from New Haven, Connecticut. And he had um, he started playing in 1876, and he made his major league debut in 1880. Every single year from 1878 to 1887, he um, was suspended or like banned due to alcoholism. <laughs> and He's like this guy's uh, too so, drunk, get him out of here. Yep, but he keep getting chances because he was kind of like Billy Taylor, where he could play every position. He was talented, yep. just can't can't get the stretch. So right. he's the only guy in Altoona that like who played in the major leagues before. Um, so that brings us to most 17. So we got seven teams. Season opens in one month. Well, okay. we need one more team. So, how about we'll put a team in Boston? So, Boston, perfectly so, reasonable yeah, market. Sure, sure no fire spot. There. Yeah. But the issues are just like, well, there's a month to the season and we don't have a baseball park. So, yeah, yeah. where are you going to play? You know? Exactly. So, they end up, um, what ends up happening is they sign a bunch of old guys who'd been good in like the 1870s and then a <laughs> bunch of young players who were like from the Sandlots. Um, and so, yeah, they somehow get it all together, and they have a team on April seventeenth. The opening day at the ballpark is April thirtieth. It they they put a ballpark together in six weeks, which I think is pretty astonishing. Um, it's quite impressive. Yeah, we got some yeah. Civil War veterans and some children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That there's a seventeen year old kid on there called Mike Slattery, um, and then they also have like yeah guys in their like mid thirties. You know, it's like pretty ancient. The manager is a guy called Tim Monane, who was like. A starter first baseman in like the 1875 and hadn't played baseball since 1880, but he's like, he'll be the first baseman and he'll be the manager. Um, and yeah, so he, he puts his team together. Like, how uh, many they, strikes and how like, many balls are we working with nowadays? They were really just yeah. asking him for like a scouting report and he was like, yeah, I'll come out of retirement. <laughs> no, yeah, so, no, you're, you're, you're dying. You're yeah, literally dying. A, bu- a bunch of, uh, a bunch of guys on the base. team of guys he had played hit with teammates with back in like 1876. So it's like, that's his like, that's his metric. Like, that's, playing these guys. That's amazing. So they cobble it together. They, 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 we have our yeah, they, teams. 
they got eight teams, and then you should know this that the American Association had expanded from eight teams to twelve teams to kind of to well, the Union Association. National League was eight teams, so as HA fully starts, there's forty eight major league teams, and um, you might not know this, but uh, in HA four, it's almost universally white guys. It's almost usually Irish white guys from Philadelphia who are playing in the major leagues at this point. So you have right. to put together 28 teams worth of players, and you're just basically like Philadelphia. That's like the only place we'll look for players. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay. okay. Yeah, I looked up as I think something like 20 percent of the players who appeared in 1884 were all from Philadelphia. It's like it's just like really <laughs> silly. So you're just guy. like I know a guy. Yeah, and like so. This is also kind of the first year where you start having guys coming. There's some guys who come from California to play. Um, mm. Some guys come up from New Orleans to play. A bunch of guys come from Canada to play because teams need to find anyone who can play baseball. And, you know, yeah. it's just really hard. It's very competitive. So yeah. anyone who can just pick up a baseball and, like, propel it forward is considered for a potential major league spot right. um, at this point in time. So, like, you might have noticed, though, that, like, St. Louis has these guys who had major league reputations, stars, you have these guys who are, like, minor leaguers, you have teams that are like semi-pro teams and they're all going to do, do battle in this one league. Um, and competitive imbalance becomes like the hallmark of the league. So if you ever like look at the like the, the stats page on Baseball Reference, you just see, yeah, there's there's quite a difference in quality. Um, and this is no more evidenced by the gap between St. Louis and Altoona. So St. Louis, they started the season 20-0, um, okay. which is like a record that I think the Golden State Warriors broke a few years ago, but up until then, no one had broken it. I think Tampa Bay started 13-0 this year, and people, people were talking about the St. Louis Marines in the paper. I'm like, oh, that's that's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. and that's the team, the St. Louis Maroons. Yeah, it was the Union slash Maroons. A lot of the names that get thrown around nowadays for the teams are not accurate, but that one's kind of accurate. Wait, 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 um, wait. Sorry, did you just tell me that they're... Wow. Okay, that's a tidbit. So of baseball okay, so history we, I was unaware we can of. go through the names. Like, okay. so if you look in the in the baseball reference of things like the Altoona Mountain Cities, yep. they were called the Altoona Unions. Uh, Baltimore, it's the Baltimore Monumentals. They were called the Baltimore Unions. Oh, Boston, they called the Boston Reds. <laughs> okay. yeah. uh, they were the Alt- Boston Unions. So, uh, Chicago is the Chicago Browns slash Pittsburgh Stogies. They were the Chicago Unions. Uh, Cincinnati. <laughs> Uh, is the Cincinnati Outlaw Reds? No, they were actually called the C- Cincinnati Unions. Uh, you know, like all these teams, just like the names are just wrong. Yeah, um, only they just everybody just associated them by the league because a lot of these, yeah, yeah. A like lot the of these Washington towns, Nationals yeah. were a thing, and the Philadelphia Keystones were a thing. Those were actually the club names, but every other team is just the unions. That's yeah, awesome. Like, so yeah, just a just a thing um, I wanted to bring up, but. So St. Louis starts in twenty and zero, and eight of those games were against Altoona, and how. Altoona, um, they, they basically won eight straight wins over Altoona. I was scoring them 94 to 19. So you get a sense of, okay, like it's, what a it's, it's not good, right? Yeah. Um, and when a team starts 20 and 0, it's basically like the pennant race is over as well, right? Like there's not really any incentive. Right. I think we're feeling you know, that in the AL East this yeah. year. A little bit, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tampa Bay is just like, you know, run away with it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and what you end up realizing when you look at the stats is, like, St. Louis is pretty good. Like, like St. Louis is really good. Cincinnati is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Boston has actually been pretty decent. Um, but then you have, like, Philadelphia and Washington, Altoona, which is, like, some of the worst teams ever to play baseball. Um, so we'll talk a bit about the Keystones right now, just because I think they had a lot of oddball guys. Um, <laughs> and that's what I want to talk about. Um, <laughs> so they opened the season at home to Boston, and they had, like, Again, like I mentioned before, they had a lineup filled with guys who had been like stars like 13 years ago, and like if you think of like how 
the difference between 1871 and 1884 in like 19th century terms that's like that's like a million years right like well, you you yeah. age so much in like that's what 13 I mean. years and the game it's, has even aged that much between oh yeah yeah yeah. it's, it's just it's like a million like so the, one of the big signings is a guy called uh levi merrily he was the first baseball batting champion he hit 492 in 1871 yep um but Man. he hadn't played baseball in five years so it's like but knows? you know, I'm sure it's like I'm twenty sure years in today's yeah today's yeah. time. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a long time, and so he ends up playing three games for club, and then just getting released because he's just yeah, he's <laughs> not good. He's he's ancient. You know, I think he's like thirty four at the time, and that's like you know, um, <laughs> that's an old man. Then, then they have this guy called uh, Billy Gear, who was an infielder, um, and he kind of bounced around, and like his biggest claim to fame at that point was. He had been kind of kicked out of the National Association uh, for stealing a police officer's handgun back in 1875. And so, Wait, did he uh, shoot anybody with it, or did he just no, steal no, he it? No, no, he took the gun. He took some coats, and then he like, <laughs> yeah, and just like, took yeah, the that gun was and some coats. <laughs> yeah, put the so gun he, down he and give us the with... coats. <laughs> <laughs> and he's this weird guy because he's like he's well educated and he's like married into a good family in Syracuse, New York, but. Um, his crew, he plays in majors a couple more years after this. But in 1887, he basically, like, gets arrested for check forgery. And then that begins this, like, 40-year odyssey where he just travels around the world forging checks. And so he's, like, the leading check forger in, like, the United States. Um, he uses, like, dozens of aliases. I found him, like, in Argentina yeah. and Europe and Canada. And he also went to prison, like, a, a like half a dozen times. And it's just, like... And he was this guy who was, like, there's no, like... Doesn't... I don't... There's also a thing where, like... I think with this family year and a half, he burned down three houses as well for insurance money. And he was like, <laughs> this guy's just in- incredibly sketchy. And this is, you know, a guy. What who's is this guy's in. name again? Yeah, we need to uh, write Billy this guy's Gear, name. Billy Gere. G-E-E-R is a robot. So, uh, yeah, he's yeah, he's quite, quite the guy. Um, wow. Yeah, we only found him like a year and a half ago. Like he'd been like no one knew what happened to him. But we found him like in a boarding house in Chicago in 1928 after getting out of prison and they died and it's like and his his name on his death certificate is Bruce Barrington and that was like an alias he used like 30 years ago and it's like it's <laughs> oh like my yeah. God. yeah yeah so these so, are the characters in the union association yeah, exactly, everybody yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then Philadelphia makes the great choice to open the season with Fergie Malone as their catcher and Fergie Malone uh he is again like another alcohol infused kind of guy but he's also 39 years old and he hadn't played baseball in seven years so it's like he's going to be the open day catcher and like <laughs> do his knees even bend at that point yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> and this is the days for like there's a catcher's glove yeah. um and Hardly not surprisingly, he, he was not up to the task um so they had signed a pitcher named sam weaver who had been like kind of he'd won 20 games the past couple years for Louisville. he's a pretty good pitcher um but like, Malone is so bad in this opening day game that, like, he allows five pass balls, he makes two errors, and then, like, Weaver has to throw, like, basically softballs, like, just so he can catch them. <laughs> um, and not surprisingly, like, he just gets destroyed. Like, Absolutely so shelled. They lose 14 to 2, and Oof. then Malone retires immediately after the game and just becomes the team manager. Like, he just never plays baseball again. And it's just like. Sitting in the clubhouse. Uh, well, that's that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Weren't you the catcher? Nah, I was the manager the whole time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's just like, just kind of like, this is kind of what's going on in Philadelphia. Um, so we'll jump ahead a couple weeks. Uh, like, basically, Altoona is kind of the team that becomes symbolic of the Union Association and its kind of struggles. Yep. Um, I found this great quote 
um, in the Cincinnati Commercial Tribune uh, by a guy called O.P. Kaler, who is, he's involved with the Red Stockings in the American Association, and he hates the Union Association. Like, he absolutely hates it. He's, like, a lead sports writer there. So he just trashes it. Like, every every day you read these really vicious columns about it. And so I found this quote. It's like, um, a naturalist has discovered that monkeys can be trained to play baseball. If this is true, the Union Association still has a fighting chance. You know, and... <laughs> <laughs> just throwing some shade the ire the towards like somebody trying to compete against one of the established leagues back in those yep, days yep. is hilarious well they and just then, started making money yeah. <laughs> yeah and then then he said this about like altoona um because altoona had refused to play sunday games and then there's a quote where it's like um you know altoona's no longer playing Sunday games and give them a couple weeks and they'll no longer be playing any games. And <laughs> this, this proves to be true because by the end of May, uh, Altoona is 6-19. And, um, and like, yeah, the last place, they... That's not that... I mean, wh- they're winning one out of four. I mean, like... The... Yeah, but yeah. I think I think three of the game, three of the wins were against the Washington Nationals. You know, oh, like okay. they just like, you know, what couldn't compete really. They and couldn't that both really lose. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's about who could like who could suck less. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what it, it was. was one nothing. Um, <laughs> None of us could do anything. Yeah. <laughs> but not surprisingly, like having a team in a small town, you know, that isn't good is gonna you know, maybe not draw fans. And so yeah. they end up disbanding on May thirty first. So that's like six weeks of the season, right on the dot. Okay. So, so we're back now, down to seven. Back down to seven. So what do you do? You find another team. Oh. Um, and so. Lucas kind of reached out to some folks in Kansas City. And Kansas City has never had a professional baseball team before. But they're a city of 100,000 people, which is like, that's considered a big enough market that mm-hmm. it should be yeah. fine. But the issue with Kansas City is it's like 12 hours west of St. Louis, which is like the furthest west. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're doing these road trips, like the big deal in like Union Association and Major League Baseball, and part of the reason why money making money so hard is like teams have to go on the road for like six or seven weeks at a time. Yeah. And that means you're not making money. Now it's a four-hour uh, drive. Yeah, now exactly. it's a four-hour yeah, yeah. drive or a <laughs> one-hour plane ride. Yeah, Exactly. Um, but if you have to go all the way to St. Louis and then take another 12 hours to go to Kansas City, it's like just and really arduous. Mm-hmm. And your accommodations and, the, and, and all of that is... is exactly. Yeah. And they have a thing in the Union Association to incentivize teams to show up for games on the road. Um, you'll get paid 75 bucks, like by the home team if you show up. Um, but $75 doesn't really cover the cost of your roster. Like, if you look at how much guys are getting made, like, they're making, you know, you have 11 players, and you got paid $75 between those 11 players, but that also includes, like, all your road costs and hotels and all sorts of stuff. So it's just, like, the typical pattern when a team, like, Altoona disbands in part because they're about to go on a road trip, and they're like, ah, uh, fuck that. You know, like, we're, <laughs> we're like, yeah. We don't yeah. have that as money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Screw it. You guys want to go camping instead? <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's that's what happens. So, so Kansas City um, joins at the start of June, and uh, like you get Altoona's record. <laughs> yeah, they just start six and nineteen. Yeah. and so if you thought like Boston putting together a team in a month and a ballpark in a, in like six weeks was something, um, Kansas City's first game is scheduled for June seventh, and they just became a team on june 1st so, <laughs> i was gonna say that's yeah that's quick yeah you basically have six days to put everything together um play the first home game so they get some players from altoona they get some local amateurs and then some bench players from st louis's like team because they have a bunch of like guys that kind of keep an eye on but they're not really in the majors or anything so they put together this like team of just guys and uh yeah not surprisingly they are absolutely like god awful that team ends up going 16 and 63 
and they finished 61 games out of first place. And this is like without the first six weeks of the season. It's like Altoona Um, never left. Yeah. Yeah. And and they also used 51 players, which is like... Oh, my God. Just see who can play baseball in Kansas City. Exactly, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Basically, like, and if, if they can't, they just get... They get like released and you back just, like, out to the farms, the kid. <laughs> yeah, and, and they're literally picking up guys from just small ass towns and like in Missouri. Like, can you throw a fastball? And it's like, hey, we'll try you out. And then, oh, he gets shelled. And then, like, yeah, you know, and like, that's sort of the <laughs> Kansas City motto. Um, so, yeah, that brings us. So, we're, we're at seven teams back up to eight teams with Kansas City. So, we get to midseason in like July 1st, um, is basically our midseason. They hold like the, we have these team meet, league meetings every few months and at this one on July 1st like Lucas makes this pronouncement that instead of just going after reserve players they're going to go after contracted players across baseball so they start going after players who are like already like on teams mid-season um, and this kind of opens up this really chaotic kind of period where teams players start jumping back and forth between the Union Association and other leagues um, so the first guy who we'll talk about is Billy Taylor once again mm-hmm. he's like in the midst of this crazy year with St. Louis he Hit 366 with a 212 OPS plus in 43 games, wow. but he also went 25 and four with a 168 ERA wow. in 263 innings. Yeah. So this is like midway through the season, and he's like awesome. Like he's yeah. just mm-hmm. outstanding. Um, the Philadelphia Athletics they offered him some advance money to jump ship. So what he does, he takes the money, spends it, like goes on a bender, <laughs> comes back to Henry <laughs> Lucas, and he's like. Ask like Henry Lucas to pay the Athletics back for the for the thing, mm-hmm. and Lucas like. No, nah, I'm good. And so Taylor then just jumps to Philadelphia Athletics, and this is like, you know, this is what's going on. And then I guess old I have to Bucket. go then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He's like, you left me no choice. It's like, well, <laughs> you yeah. have to take the money. But yeah, you know, this is how these guys work, right? Like, they're not the most reliable characters, and you know, uh, and a big reason why Lucas is trying to like go to war is because other teams and leagues are going after his players too. So it's like it's kind of meant to be like payback. Yeah. And then um, another guy jumps ship from St. Louis is but- our old friend Buttercup Dickerson. Um, he leaves. <laughs> he's from Baltimore, and he when they're on the road in Baltimore, he goes on a bender and just disappears again for a few days. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he shows up in the lineup of the Baltimore Orioles and the American <laughs> Association. So he's like, okay, well, I guess that, that was that. Yeah. Um, but he I think thinks he he's three. on his right team. He's just so hammered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but he had like 370 in the, in the Association. Like he was he's a pretty talented player. Yeah. Um, so the union guys are the ones that start getting really poached early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then, like, there's payback, right? So in, in Boston, like, that club actually ended up being pretty good considering they took, like, a month, like, only had a month to get together. So they end up finishing above 500 and, like, being pretty decent. And a big reason they end up being pretty good is they, they signed a guy called Fred Dupee. Duppy Shaw. I don't know how to say Duppy. It's like D-U-P-E-E. It's a weird name. It's his nickname. He's called it. I don't know where it comes from. But <laughs> they get him to jump over from Detroit in the National League. Um, and he ends up being really good for Boston. He he goes 21 and 15. He has like a 177 ERA with Boston. And he strikes out 39 guys in 315 innings. Um, wow. At a time when like guys don't strike yeah. out nearly that much. Yeah. And, like, yeah. and he also struck out 18 guys in a game. And that was like a record as a left-handed pitcher until like Steve Carlton broke it in like the 1970s, and so yeah. it's just like he's That's he's really good. Yeah, and then um, his success um, and the departure of Taylor left like it basically meant St. Louis didn't have their star pitcher, even though they're way ahead in the league. They still need a pitcher to play, um, and so that's what causes them to sign Charlie Sweeney. Um, I know you guys Ooh, have yes. done oh, an yeah. episode on we Charlie know, Sweeney. Oh, yeah, so we know Uncle Charlie. Too, yeah, I won't get too much into Charlie Sweeney, but guys. 
like world class piece of shit. But yeah, you know, <laughs> at this point, a very talented pitcher, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And so yeah, he ends up he ends up jumping ship, joining uh, uh, St. Louis for like a contract of around like I think twenty five hundred a year. Yep. Prorated, so he's like making good money. Um, so yeah, we won't talk about Sweeney because you guys have done like yeah, the, it, the definitive episode on Sweeney. So it is. Uh, a, he is. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and and his post baseball career is really, really where things get spicy. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, well, the thing that Boston has too is they have a bunch of young players, and one of the guys they have is a guy called Tommy McCarthy, who yep. is the only Union Association player in the Hall of Fame. Um, oh, but he also is like still kind of one of the worst players in the Hall of Fame, and he was <laughs> probably the worst everyday player in the Union Association. Uh, the Union Association is generally criticized for like its poor quality and McCarthy based on his statistics was probably like the worst guy. Um, I'll go through his numbers right now. Uh, so he played 53 games for Boston. He's 20 years old at the time. He's hit 215, 237, 244 for 62 OPS plus, which is like bad. Yeah. Right. Um, he also fielded 794 in the outfield. Uh, and this is like league average is around 850. This is like without gloves, but 794 is still really bad. Yeah, yeah, and, um, and, and outfield are... errors cost you games. Like, infield errors cost you innings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, so not good there. Um, and then he also pitched. He went 0-7 with a 487 ERA and a 63 ERA plus. Um, and so if you total all together, he put together, like, a minus 2.7 war in 53 Ooh. games. Ugh. Not it's Hall of Fame numbers. It's a wonder he's no, no, no. in that league, let yeah. alone in a Hall yeah, yeah. of Fame. Yeah, it's, it's like you think... Because there's a bunch of other young players who do well in the league and like go on to have some success. Like he just was awful. I don't really know why he was awful. And he, was. he got chance after chance, and then got good like in like 1889, and then he was like good for like three years, and he's in the hall right now. But oh, just want to talk about him. Late bloomer, late bloomer, or quick um, drink. But then that brings me to like my favorite story. <laughs> it's also like happens in Boston All in right. the Union Association. So on August 16th, they're going to play Baltimore. Um, the regular catcher is a guy called Lou Brown, who's another like misfit, miscreant guy. Um, he's a bit more of like a Rube Waddell type where he's like really nice guy, just really fun-loving, eccentric. Like he would stop at games to, he's, he would not show up for games to go play sandlot baseball with kids and stuff. Um, and he'd been banned like by the National League for drinking and unreliability. So he doesn't show up to the game this day. Uh, so Boston has like nine guys on the roster. They put in a guy called Ed Crane, uh, Ed Ketcher, and I'm not going to talk about Ed Crane much today, but you guys should look into Ed Crane. Exceptional story. Really wow. well suited for it. He's, he's nicknamed Cannibal Crane. Um, oh, yeah. And he had a crazy, like, life. Like, he's life, on the like, list. In baseball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Check him out. Well, you're, um, you're giving us, like, 80 other guys to put yeah. on the yeah, list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, well there's so many of these guys. So um, he's catching D.P. Shaw, who's, like, really hard-throwing guy. Um, and... In the second inning, Shaw throws a fastball that nearly rips Crane's finger off. Um, wow. So Boston's now down two catchers because Brown's not there. Crane's not out. They have no one on the bench. So what they do, manager Tim Burnane, he pulls a fan out of the crowd named oh, Murphy. I thought this was, I was like, I'm going to suggest he pulls a fan out. But no, there's no way that happened. It did. Yep, he does. And then he's like, <laughs> why, don't, why don't you catch? Let's see what happens. The last uh, guy lost and, a and, finger, we think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they actually swap out Shaw for another pitcher like who's a bit like lighter throwing. Uh, <laughs> but it doesn't help. Uh, like Murphy makes two errors and he allows a pass ball like, on his first like first batter, basically. And well, he's they just not get a guy. He's a yeah. fan. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and then he like gets exiled to left field for the rest of the game. And somehow he draws a walk 
in like one of the bats. And this is the, a time where it took seven balls to draw like a walk. And you're oh like, God. what? I don't even know what's going on. Um, but then he just, he disappears. Like no one knows what happened to this guy. So it's just like this guy named Mothi caught one game for Boston. And it's like, no one knows what happened to him. And then, like, I've tried looking him up and it's like, Trying to find a guy named Mothi in Boston is just like, yeah. yeah. It's, a needle in a haystack. It's not, it's, it's, it's not an easy task, right? And so, yeah. So that's like probably my favorite story because I think it's emblematic of just kind of like what could happen at a baseball game in 1984. Just, Absolutely. Just you, know that, you know that guy was telling his grandkids, like, I played for Boston once. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, man. Yeah, sure, Grandpa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get you to bed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so Boston ends up being pretty good in spite of, you know, that one day where they had catching most. And somehow actually Boston actually won the game too. They won five to three. Like it didn't, it didn't end up mattering. It was like, okay, all right. Just how things go. Um, but in front the of other team had several pass balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, I think putting him in left field is like, you know, so what you do is like the kid who can't do anything in, in like little league is like left yeah. field, you know, there like, you um, so we talked about the keystones. They like aren't good. They end up going twenty one forty six. Um they are drawing like a hundred fans a game, which if you do the math, tickets are twenty five cents a game. That's like hundred fans, you know, that's not a lot of money. Twenty five um, bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also two major league teams, like the Phillies have just started last year, the previous year, and the Athletics had won the pennant the previous year, so you have like two other teams. And Philadelphia also has this like crazy like semi pro amateur circuit where like Almost every like every team in the city is probably better than the Keystones at this point, and so there's just no incentive for anyone to go to games. And so they're twenty one forty six. Well, everyone from the city is playing for the teams, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's true. Yeah, I think I think almost all the players on the team were like from Philadelphia, but um, it didn't help. You know, people weren't gonna go see their, their friends go play ball. You know, like twenty times uh, a so, year. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, they're not doing good. It's August eighth. So they decided to disband. Um, they've lost ten thousand dollars in like four months of the season. So again, back down to seventeenth, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do? Well, this time instead of making a team up from scratch, they like get a team from another league to jump ship. So <laughs> in in the Eastern League, Wilmington uh, is like running away with the pennant. They're from Delaware. They have a fifty-one and twelve record, but they're like losing money because the club is so good that like the games are such blowouts that like no one will go see them because like, ah, it's like, oh, these guys beat the shit out of the other team. Like, I don't want to see that. Yeah. Um, so Lucas promises that if you join the league, we'll like cover all your costs for like your big road trip and we'll pay your salaries and all that sort of stuff. Like just come join ship. Mm-hmm. So they end up joining and Wilmington's like experience in the union association is like a total, total like clusterfuck. Um, and I'll just <laughs> run through some of the, like the events that happen. Um, they're probably the most cursed club in Major League history. Whoa. So they actually won their first game on August 18th against Washington, because Washington's terrible. Um, Dan Casey, who's like actually ends up being a good pitcher with the Phillies in the 1887, he wins 28 games, leads the game away. He also claimed he was like the inspiration for Casey at the bat, although like everyone's like, no, you weren't. Um, but he, <laughs> like, the rest of his life, he's like, I was Casey at the bat, and like people just shut him down. But he was just, like, like, yeah, whatever. No, I was. Yeah. Um, so he actually wins the first game. He's Four, they win the game 4-3. That's like their first win. They lose their second game. 
and then their two best players, like Jump Ship, a guy called Thomas Oysterburns. Oh, who's yeah. another we know guy Oysterburns. Who, who probably pops up in all these things. He's kind of a head case. Yeah, and a death have an brother, Dennis Casey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you do have an episode on Oysterburns? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Eno Saris from The Athletic suggested it. Uh, and, oh, amazing. And, okay, okay. Yeah, no, we, we know Oyster well. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm going to check that out. Um, so, and then. Uh, Dan's brother, Dennis Casey, they both jumped to the Baltimore Orioles of the American Association. So, yeah, like two games in, they've lost their two best players. And then uh, basically it's because like once they joined the Union Association, it was like all the other leagues, like, fuck these guys. Like, you know, like Wilmington doesn't matter anymore. Like, we'll just sign the players and all that sort of stuff. (laughs) So for game three, they signed. the carcass clean, essentially. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's what happens. Um, (laughs) For game three, they signed this pitcher called Jim McElroy from California. he was incredibly wild. He played for the Phillies early in the year, and I'll give you his just numbers. He pitched 111 innings for the Phillies, but he had, he walked 54 batters when it took like I think six balls for a walk in the National League, and wow. threw 46 wild pitches in like, 111 <laughs> innings. Wow. Um, and so he, numbers. Yeah, there you go. Just, so no. he gets destroyed, loses 12 to one to Washington. Washington, Washington pitcher is a guy called Charlie Gagas. He pitched no hitter that game, so it's like it yeah, wouldn't have mattered. Uh, wouldn't have mattered. Wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, I could have walked. Um, and and I just bring up Malcolm because he like uh, five years later he died of a morphine overdose in a town called Needles, California, which I just always thought was very ironic, was very fitting, oddly poetic. Yeah. Yeah. So. That was, uh, <laughs> wow. So yeah. <laughs> In the fourth game, the the one and two, August twenty second, Dan Casey he won the first game. In this game, he loses fourteen to nothing, and then he leaves the team after the game, claiming illness. He goes back to Syracuse, doesn't play the rest of the season. So now they've lost like three of their best players. Uh, the one and three, um, and then they travel to Boston. They fail to show up on time in Boston, so they have to forfeit the game. Uh, and then they eventually make it home in September second. They're one and nine, uh, and. Basically, things just kind of get more and more catastrophic. So on September 3rd, the pitcher, uh, Johnny Murphy, he gets hit by a pitch by um, Cincinnati's Dick Burns, which I think is just a good name, Dick Burns. <laughs> and hurts his back. Um, that evening, good. outfielder John Cullen like, fell down uh, dug an elevator shaft in the team hotel. Oh, my God. Died, yeah, nearly, but... nearly died. Yep. Um, nearly died. the rest died. of the season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just I'm pretty sure he was drunk. Stories. I'm pretty sure he was drunk, but you know, like, don't want to impugn his good character. Um, but he was well. <laughs> he missed the rest of the season, but he's well enough to go play ball in Cuba, like in the off season. Okay. And All then right. the next day, they're playing against Cincinnati, and um, Jack Glasscock's at bat. He hits a foul tip that hits the umpire, a guy named called Patrick Dutton, in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dutton is like knocked unconscious and is, like, near death, and, like, the only reason he, like, survives is because there's a doctor in the crowd who comes and saves his life. Holy crap. So they postpone the game. And then uh, the following day, like, George Stewart, he's then part of that game. He also gets hit in the face <laughs> by his foul tip. Uh, he's knocked unconscious, but he's able to recover well enough to finish the game. Uh, and so, yeah, like, you basically have just this, That's amazing. all these To finish happening. the game. Yeah. To finish, he, yeah, yeah. He was unconscious and, for a little while, but luckily he got up and had very good eyesight and judgment mm-hmm. for the next two hours. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, so the, that's like just injury after injury shooting this. Uh, St. Louis comes to town, they win four straight games against them. And then on September 15th, Kansas City comes to town, uh, to Wilmington, um, and there's nobody in the stands. Oh so, my God. <laughs> so Wilmington's manager just like, fuck it, I'm out. <laughs> and then they just like, basically disband on the spot. Um, <laughs> well, no so one's here. Yeah, 
Like, and so who the will know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a what's the point moment. <laughs> yeah, it's what's the point. And it's like, I can't pay $75 to you, like to, to, to you in Kansas City. I can't pay that money out. So it's like, ah, we're done. So basically, like, Wilmington goes 2 and 16 in the one month in the league, and then they just drop out and they're, they're done. So back down to 17th, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a usual, it's a typical story. So um, also in Chicago, they have struggled as well for the same reasons Philadelphia does, where like no one's going to go see them over the like, Chicago White Stockings, um, who are like one of the best teams in baseball, have all these star players. So they're drawing like 500 fans a game. And so they move the team to Pittsburgh in like late August. But that doesn't really work either. And so, like, <laughs> mid-September, they're just like, fuck it. Let's go back to one team. So Chicago slash Pittsburgh, which is owned by Albert Henderson, the famed mattress manufacturer, uh, they they uh, merged back with Baltimore. So then you just, you know, go from basically <laughs> okay. eight teams down to seven teams down to six teams. And yep. so how do we finish the season? You know, it's mid-September. Uh, so they had they the, the solution thing. at the beginning of the year. Yeah, they why did you started with six? six. Just do six. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's all there's all stuff about how it's like, what if we? Uh, they're basically saying like six teams is too impossible to schedule. Like it's just too complicated. It's like ah, my do softball so, league does it all summer long. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was eighteen eighty. Sorry. Every game's in Pottageville. <laughs> That's what you do. <laughs> Yeah, so like you know, you got you got six teams, but they're like we need to finish the schedule, so we need to find teams to replace like Chicago slash Pittsburgh, and then also replace Wilmington. So um, at this point in the year, there's like almost like no teams left mm-hmm. playing. Like there's major league teams and like no one else. Yeah. And so the Northwestern League is like on the last legs. They had gone from twelve teams down to like three teams, and they're trying to finish like this three teams left trying to finish out the season. Yeah. Um, and two of those teams are Milwaukee and St. Paul. And so they end up being recruited to join the Union Association. But the thing is, like, Milwaukee, they're like, you can play all your games at home. Like, you'll... We'll so come Milwaukee's, to you. Sure, yeah. why not? Yeah. Like, there's no there's no downside. We'll just, like, show up, we'll play some ball, all good. We'll get St. Paul's like... Yeah, it's great. It's Milwaukee. Yeah. <laughs> so St. Paul, Minnesota, um, the Saints. they agree to join, even though, like, you, you guys will only play road games. So it's just like, okay, well... I guess we'll join. Minnesota has to only, or St. Paul can only play road games, and Milwaukee can only play home games. Yeah, that's how the schedules work. So they're just like, okay. (laughs) So they both agree for whatever reason. Um, So St. Paul is like odd because, like, they're the first major league team in Minnesota history, but like, Minnesota's first home game is in 1961. And so that's, yeah, with the twins. So you just kind of like have this like odd factoid. But, um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we're at this point now where we've got eight teams once again. Um, if you're keeping track, it's been a uh, third season with eight teams. Uh, and by now we're at 12 different teams in 13 cities. So you know, just keep that in <laughs> okay. mind. All right. Uh, and so, yeah, seasons come so close, like October 17th, last day of the season. Um, St. Louis, they, not surprisingly, won the pennant by 25 games. Uh, so it's like they went 94-19. It's still, I think, the highest winning percentage by like a major league pennant winner. Um, so yeah, they're like just you know outstanding, the dominant. Cream of the cream. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll t- I'll talk a bit about Fred Dunlap and his season in the Union Association because he had this outstanding year. Um, looks 
like video game numbers. So he put up a 412, 448, 621 batting line, which is a wow. 1,069 OPS wow. and 256 OPS plus, which is the best non-Barry Bond season in baseball history. So just That's keep that in mind. Um, That's a tidbit tr- that, that yeah. really shows how good Barry Bonds was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and so he also he had 13 home runs. He led all second basemen in like every fielding category. He was and a he... power-hitting second baseman as well. Yep. And he finished second in the league in saves as well, in case you're wondering. Oh, he, yeah, he, he, of course. <laughs> oh, and he also managed the pennant winner. Oh, okay. Team. Yeah. So it's just like, just, yeah. yeah. No. What else did he do? A friend of all traits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So so he, he was awesome and stuff. Um, St. Louis, you know, wins the pennant. Um, and then now we've got the season done. These eight teams have survived the season, so to speak. Um, and basically now it's like, what's going to happen for 1885, right? So like the initial plan is like a bunch of the Eastern teams drop out like Boston and Baltimore and Washington are all like, we're not going to be part of the same one. So Did the plan see is what like, what happened last year? Exactly. And so the plan is like, what if we just put all the teams in the West and that's like, you know, shorter trips, like we can make it all work, all that sort of stuff. So this is what's kind of the plan. Um, we'll have just eight Western teams in 1885. And Lucas is kind of like league president. He's going to like, you know, he keeps going to the league meetings. He keeps acting as president. Keeps doing all this sort of stuff. Like, yeah, it's eighteen eighty-five. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. And then all of a sudden, like December, he, uh, it was like, he was like, there've been rumors all year long that he, the new association was just like a ploy to get into the national league. Like he had always wanted to get St. Louis in the national league. It's like, union association could be like a. A stepping a tool stone. to get that in. So it was like, I'll make this really good team. I'll put all these good players on it. We'll win the pennant. We'll, you know do whatever and it's like they'll have to accept us then you know and so that ends up kind of being what happens uh so in late december he works out a deal where he's gonna buy the cleveland club from the national league and cleveland had been like Fred dunlap's team and hugh daly and then in august uh cincinnati of the union association had signed cleveland's best players as well and there's this whole idea that if we make cleveland really shitty and like destroy them then they won't be able to play in 85, and then like, we can just go there. And uh, and so that's sort of what ends up happening. That's this a great like, plan. secret plan to undermine yeah, 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 yeah. the Cleveland team. Just yeah, yeah. destroy them. I'll just bring my team in, and it'll be great. Yep, and that's what happens. Imagine that great. happened like nowadays. What a twist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's what happens. And so basically, like, Lucas um, agrees in, like, late December 1884 to join the National League, and then the Union Association kind of just dies, like, almost instantly, because Lucas is, like, the man with money, who's keeping things afloat. He's helping bail out other clubs, all sort of stuff. Um, And, yeah, so, like, you basically, you know, just have Union Association's now officially kind of dead. But St. Louis, they live. And so they go to the National League in 1885, and um, it's I don't want to be too harsh on them, but they aren't good in the National League. They they finish in last place. Uh, so they go from winning the Union Association to last place in the National League in 1886. Stomping, oh, 1885, sorry. Stomping the Union Association. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But there's there's some caveats, because we can point out, like, Charlie Sweeney, like, hurt his arm and kind of sucked. Yep. So it's like, he was a good player in the National League, good player in the Union Association, and then all of a sudden he just collapses. That that happens. Yeah, and right. when you have an era where you typically have one or two pitchers, like, you know, losing your best pitcher is like that happens yeah. a bunch of the players struggle to play in the national league again after playing the association like the, the stats went way down like fred dunlap ends up hitting 270 in 1885 in the union so in the national league versus 
you know, full 12 in the Union Association. So those yeah. newspaper writers were right to say that the league was full of <laughs> full of gorillas or whatever it was. Full of monkeys. Said monkeys, yeah. <laughs> monkeys, yes, yes, yeah. yeah, pretty much. Like I mean, yeah, like I mean, there's there's debates about the quality of the league, but um, yeah, like so that happens, and then a bunch of the players from the American Association who had jumped to the St. Louis, they were blacklisted all year. So like the the version of St. Louis that exists in 1885 isn't necessarily like full strength, but oh, they still right. weren't good, right? Like. So, St. Louis, uh, Lucas still in charge of St. Louis, and then 1886, more of the same. Um, actually, Washington Nationals, they had gone to the Eastern League in 1885 and won the pennant. So, they were like, well, the worst teams in the, in, in the Union Association, best team in the Eastern League. And then they joined the National League in 1886, and Kansas City also joins the National League in 1886 with kind of the same team as 1884. And those three teams then finished 6th, 7th, 8th. And so, like, again, you have three Union Association teams in the National League in 1886, mm-hmm. but they also still suck. Yeah. Um, but in, like, August 1886, Lucas is kind of just fed up with baseball. Um, his club's, like, below 500, and so he makes the decision to kind of sell out. Um, and he gives us, like, long interview in the St. Louis, like, post-dispatch where he just, he's blaming the newspaper for his failure. Um, but that he yes, also, he says, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, it's your guys' fault that, that that my team is terrible. You know, that's basically what he says. Uh, but he just, claims... If you had just written nicer things about my team, we would have believed exactly, in ourselves yeah, yeah, think, more. Look, right here you yeah. said we lost. And we did. But why did you have to say it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's, I think a lot of that, right? Like, he's just tired of the criticism, tired of everything. He basically says, like, when you're winning, it's fine. And when you're losing, it sucks. And that's yeah. that's sort of it. Um, so he's, he sells out um, to a group that ends up moving the team to Indianapolis. And then that team ends up kind of disbanding after 1889 but like lucas you'll find sometimes people claim that lucas like lost his fortune on baseball um but in this interview he says he lost seventy thousand dollars like the whole time he was in baseball so yeah, yeah you go from two million dollars you lose seventy thousand dollars that's nothing right like yeah that's yeah he he would have had money coming in it, it, it doesn't mean it was profitable. i lost everything exactly yeah 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 that yeah. i invested in the team yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you invest, yeah, if you have $2 million and you invest, you know, 70000 and you lose it all, you know, it's not like you're... you're it's not a big deal. Yeah. But, like, what if I told you that he, he like, lost money in other ways, right? Like he, I would he, believe he, you. He, he sounds he, not smart. He, he, set up a, he set up a shipping company that I think, like, lost all the ships, like, in a, in a storm, and so it was, like, lost a bunch of money. And... What do you, you mean I bought accounts. ships that all have holes in them? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You got insurance, right, man? Yeah. <laughs> all the ships yeah. went away. <laughs> and so by 1889, you can find these stories of, like, Henry Lucas. Now he's, like, working as a railroad clerk, like, on the railroad. Like, oh, he's wow. basically, like... Were the like, hours all the and now he's just, like, day? Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's, like, within five years, he, he you know, he blew all his money. Holy um, crap. Yeah. And so I don't know all the extent of how he lost it all, but he just was obviously not good with money. Um, and yeah, so he spends kind of the rest of his life trying to like rebuild his wealth. He, he opens up like a, a bicycle track, like to try and like it could hold bicycle races. And like, that's, that's the ticket. That's what... Yeah. Yeah. We all know bicycle racing still to this day, number one sport in North America. Yeah. And so with that, um, Sorry, I tapped it. I tapped my. I know, no, 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 no problem. Yeah, I just, I was just commenting uh, before you, we lost you for a second. There, I said, yeah, bicycle racing, the, you know, number one sport in North America, still to this day. 
yeah, the kids love it. It's like, you know, it's going to be like Pogs. Like, Pogs are infinite, right? Like, Pogs are going to last forever, right? Like, Dude, still got my Pogs. I mean, I still have a couple tubes of Pogs, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and they keep yeah, them okay. more and more valuable. Hopefully you have some good slammers and that sort of thing. But, oh, yeah. uh, uh, so, yeah, like, he's he's just trying and failing. And then he's just working for the city, and he gets, like, um, he ends up, like, getting, like, a a cut somehow, and, like, ends up getting, like, a blood infection, and then just dies on November 15th, 1910. Um, and then the headline of his obit reads, like, famous sportsman who spent millions on fruitless baseball world dies in poverty. And this is, <laughs> you know, his kind of legacy. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's, like, that's kind of the story. Actually. This guy who died lost lots of money throughout his life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Terrible, yeah, yeah. terrible business endeavors. Don't be like this guy. Oh, my God. He's yep. now dead. <laughs> so, holy crap. So, I mean... I feel I feel like you threw us a curveball at the beginning there with Al because it was really yeah, no yeah, Lucas yeah, yeah, in the a, end. Yeah, it's a MacGuffin, you know. Oh, I, well, honestly, no, that was uh, that was amazing. That was, I mean, I can't, uh, I I couldn't imagine. So it's just like a league of just misfits and, and yeah. miscreants. I don't know if that's the right word for it. Is that a word? Yeah, Etsy? sure. Yeah. All right, miscreants. Cool. Yeah. Sure. All right. I don't know. What I'm not sure what the severity of of calling the miscreants <laughs> is off the top of my head right now. That may be more extreme than intended, but right. I, I think it's the equivalent of saying someone's a bad little boy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I will call them bad little fine. boys. There's a few miscreants them. throughout uh, baseball history. <laughs> I was interested there. I was almost like you were. You started by telling us the story of the union. Association. I thought you were giving us a twist there at the end that it was all of a sudden about the birth of the St. Louis National League Club, which it no, kind of no. was, but it wasn't. Uh, no, so what ends up happening is the St. Louis ground stockings kind of like get really good at the same time. Um, and so the ground stockings are like, uh, they, they have this dynasty that they win four straight pennants and win the world, like some of the early World Series in the 1880s. Right. And then they end up becoming the Cardinals. Like mm-hmm. that's like w- when the American Association folds, they join the National League and they become the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the legacy of the Union Association. So like St. Louis goes to Indianapolis, and Indianapolis like falls in in at the end of eighteen eighty nine. But they're kind of bought by the New York Giants, and so you could make a very tenuous claim that they are like the the spirit lives on in the San Francisco Giants. You know, if you want to like really follow the lineage. Okay. Um, and then Milwaukee, it's um. They end up playing in like the like the Western League in the 1880s and it's the 1890s, mm-hmm. and that te- they they're in the league that becomes the, the American League, uh, yeah. the American League. Yeah. And so Milwaukee moves to St. Louis, and then St. Louis moves to uh, to uh, Baltimore, and that's that's sort of like you could make a very 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 tenuous case that like the Milwaukee of the 1884 Union Association is like linked. In right. some way to the to the Baltimore Orioles, but yeah, wow. it's, it's very dubious. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like. I, I think that's a good good place to end on there. Actually, yeah. Yeah, I think that's amazing. So, uh, Justin, that was uh, you know a summary of, of of just a little bit of what you have in store for people. Uh, so once again, tell us a little bit about your book, where people can find it, and where they can find your fantastic blog and uh, your Twitter account and all of that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so the book is Baseball's Union Association, The Short, Strange Life of a 19th Century Major League. Um, it's available wherever books are sold. Um, there's also like an ebook as well, if you're so inclined. Um, it was 
recently named like winner of the 2023 Sabre Baseball Research Award, which is awarded, I oh think, at three books awesome. a year. Congratulations. So, like, I think that, I saw cool. that. I, I'm sorry. I think I might even tweet it at you. But congrats. Congrats. Hey, thank uh, you very much. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah, formal. Yeah, was, congrats. That's amazing. Yeah, it, was a, it was a pleasant surprise. I'm like, like Bill James won that award. I'm like, oh, yeah. So that's, I'm I'm as good as man. Bill James is what I'm trying to say. As, yeah. uh, as a baseball researcher, I'm <laughs> for excellence. You're probably a nicer person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, 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 his, his online presence is pretty questionable at this point in time. Uh, but yeah, I. But your I online presence is not questionable. Where is your your blog and? and your um, yes, yeah, so I'm. I I write a blog about dead baseball players um, on medium uh, medium dot com at baseball obscura, and then I also am active on Twitter at just underscore McKinney. Um, yeah, and I'm around if you just Google. Justin McKinney, baseball, et cetera, whatever. I'm findable. So All happy right. to talk baseball, share ideas with whoever. So. And we're very happy that you were here with us today. That was amazing. Thanks a lot, Justin. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have you back as a guest in the near future. Uh, we really appreciate that. Please check out Justin's book. Uh, check out his writings everywhere. You, you heard what he said. Just do the thing he told you to do. Edzie, where can people find us? Uh, people can find us on Twitter, Sean, at doing baseball and on instagram at doing dot baseball and on tiktok at doing baseball that's awesome i'm at sean do baseball and i'm at ed's do baseball and wherever you're listening however you're listening uh give us a follow give us a like give us a review and thank you so much uh two loons brewing check it out if you're in ontario or canada for that matter uh, Be legal drinking age and enjoy responsibility. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, unlike the players from the Union Association, <laughs> yes. everybody. Uh, thank you so much again, Justin. Thanks, uh, Justin. Take care. Until next time, I'm Sean. And I'm Eds. And we were doing the baseball. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.